This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Horsin' Around. Saddle up and get ready to have a darn tootin', gallopin' good time as we trot out the show that's your ultimate horse sorts, of course. Find out how to use good old horse sense when it comes to breeding, feeding, training, and explaining. From practical tips on caring for your horse's health to advice on how to buy horse supplies, including bridles, halters, saddles, and more. So get ready to start horsing around with your host, horse expert and award-winning rider, Audrey Pavia. Howdy, Audrey. Welcome to Horsing Around on PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for joining us. This week, we have a very special guest, a trainer who participated in the 2007 Extreme Mustang Makeover. He took a wild horse from the Nevada range and trained him for this challenging competition in only 100 days. That trainer is Ray Aris from Norco, California. Ray and his Mustang gelding, Hail Yeah, made quite a showing at the Extreme Mustang Makeover held in Texas last September. We'll talk to Ray about how he turned Hail Yeah from a wild horse that couldn't be touched to a horse so well-trained he went for $50,000 in auction after the event. We'll be back with Ray right after this break. Why the long face? I reckon horsing around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia, and we are here with Ray Aris, owner of Starbright Riding Academy in Norco, California. Ray, welcome to the show. Thanks, Audrey, for having me. Sure, glad you're here. Um, first off, I have seen you ride your Mustang Hell Yeah, and I want our listeners to know this is an incredibly phenomenal horse that does some amazing things. You've had him for almost a year now, but he learned a lot of this stuff uh, before the, that year was up. So um, I want you to tell us a little bit about some of the things Hell Yeah has been trained to do. Well, let me, let me thank you first for that wonderful introduction. You seem to be better informed than most people that is <laughs> actually following the story all the way through. So, But, yeah, it's true. It's a, it's a horse that uh, I didn't get a chance to uh, pick myself. It was picked by, by lottery. And if we start at the beginning, it was one of those horses that when you look at 100 horses in a, in a pen, uh, the one that you don't want is the one that I actually got. And uh, one of the reasons was he was um, one of the smallest horses there. He had no mane or tail. It was all, you know, this real scruffy-looking horse. Uh, he was overly excitable, very overreactive, and then on top of everything, he was also lame. So, um, to say the least, this was one of the horses that I was hoping that wouldn't be mine, but of course, when they handed me the number from, you know, from the lottery, sure enough, that was the one I was uh, supposed to take home. 
But it, it wasn't like I didn't have enough of, um, of an excuse to ask for another one, especially because he had been late. So in sharing that with, uh, with my wife before I actually made the announcement to the office, she said, you know, we've been, we've been praying for the right horse for this competition. It's going to do us, you know, justice as well as, you know, the horse and the whole Mustang uh, Heritage Foundation, uh, the purpose of, of, of getting these horses, you know, trained up and, and exhibited. And, and she said, if you send this horse back, it might be the one. So, uh, of course, we, we now know that it was the one. It was the one that made a huge impression at, uh, in Texas at the Will Rogers uh, commemorative uh, arena. And, uh, and you're right, he did go for $50,000. And it's one of those things that uh, now he's a, you know, he'll probably be in the Guinness Book of World Records. So we're real proud of that. Yeah. And tell us now, I've had a chance to watch you work him. Tell those of us who are listening or those listening who haven't seen him work, what are some of the things he can do? Well, let me tell you, you know, because he was a three-year-old Mustang that comes from, you know, wild bloodlines, basically evolved into escaping and surviving anything and everything, including humans. This is a horse that couldn't even be touched. So that was probably the most challenging thing was getting the horse to allow me to at least touch him so that we can... I could take a, a, a lead line off of his halter so that I could start moving him around and actually start working with him. But from not being able to be touched, this horse, within 100 days, actually before that, he had won the uh, state champ, the SAS state, state Championship Mounted Shooting Competition in his division. Uh, the, the very following day, he was in the uh, Labor Day Parade here in Norco, and they had numerous entries, uh, beautiful horses, including all the exotics like the Frisians and the Andalusians and, and a lot of the uh, other types of horses that go in parades. And he ended up winning not only the, the, the trophy for his division, but he ended up winning the sweepstakes trophy of um, the entire parade, including, you know, all the other areas of the parade, like, you know, the, uh, the, the bands or the, or the, uh, the groups, uh, the marching groups and, the, and anything else. That, so this was the, 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 the overall trophy. So he's a great parade horse. You can shoot off of him. Uh, for the actual competition, if I would have made it to the very end, because I got disqualified for doing a wrong turn, this horse was supposed to come in driving a cart, then he was supposed to walk out of the cart into a Spanish walk where, there, where he would go up to the middle of the arena and then bow for me so that I can mount. So he does Spanish walk as well. Uh, he does uh, lateral work from half passes to pirouettes at the canter. He does uh, piaf and passage, which is a, a trot in place and a slow motion trot that you would see in the upper-level dressage horses at the Olympic level. He can do a lavad, which is a rear. Uh, he can do a bow. He can go bridleless, where I can actually take the bridle off of him and, and make him stop and turn and spin in both directions. If you whistle, he'll run to you. He can jump, three-foot jump on fire, which is a, a pretty much a testament to, to, to trust and that sort of thing. He can also do uh, a trail competition. He can do trail obstacles. One that was uh, that most people considered a pretty difficult obstacle was the uh, water obstacle, where we had floating bottles, and he would actually walk into the, the the obstacle with the floating bottles and walk through, stand in it without overreacting at all. I can walk trot and canter him, but while pulling a tarp, I can swing a saber and actually cut different types of fruit with it. Gosh, you you name it, this horse can do it. He can do a teeter totter. He, he can rope. He can do cows. He did all of this in 100 days. Now, did you have a chance before the competition to know what some of these obstacles were going to be and train for them? You know, that's uh, an awesome question because if I would have known this, I wouldn't have put them through all the training that I did. They didn't want to give us any information at all. They said, train your horse. Expect the unexpected. When you get here, we'll tell you what you'll have to do. The actual competition was quite simple compared to 
some of the things that some of these trainers actually went through trying to get their horses to sensitize and or train to, including standing on their backs with chainsaws, which my horse can also do, to shooting guns off of their backs and cutting and roping cows. So, but what was interesting about the competition was we, uh, you know, we basically had to just go over a bridge, go through some, go through an L, forward and backwards, stand the horse up, be able to get off the horse and pick all the horse, all the horse's feet without the horse moving. Uh, we were we needed we needed to be able to do circles. We needed to be able to pick up leads. We needed to be able to trot over poles. Gosh, what else did we do? It wasn't the most difficult of testing, except that we have to remember what it was, and that's I really had had trouble remembering the actual course, which is what caused me to become disqualified because mm-hmm. I went off course. The nice thing about the competition was that they had a freestyle for the top ten, and they got to do all of the things that they had overtrained for, which mm-hmm. was a, a great deal. Right. What did you do that got him to the point where you could actually walk through water with bottles floating in it? The best way I can put this is, you know, just like any any relationship, the most important part of a relationship is trust. And once I was able to get to the point where this horse trusted my judgment and saw value in everything that I had you know, humbly suggested to him without any force, the sooner the horse got into a mental state that would basically accept anything and everything I asked him without any any reservation. And uh, that was a that's a very interesting thing for me because, you know, I only had 100 days to do this. And, you know, when I was initially approached to do this competition, my knee-jerk reaction was absolutely not. In fact, it wasn't my knee-jerk reaction. It was my repetitive response until my wife got involved and uh, said, you know, we, yeah, this is a good thing. We should do this. And like any good husband, I have the last word <laughs> in my family. And it's usually yes, dear. So uh, I, I, I went ahead and did it. And it was probably the best decision I ever made in my whole life. Now, what was your hesitation, that it wasn't enough time? Yeah, you know, I've never before um, ever trained a horse with a specific time constraint in mind. I've always trained horses in the past where I've trained them to do something, and then after they were trained, you know, I would look for the event or the competition to put them in. I never said, I'm going to train this horse for this particular competition on this specific day. Mm-hmm. I never saw that that was a, a good idea, and... Um, and, and, and for all the obvious reasons, you know, you, you don't necessarily want to cram a horse into, into that kind of a situation and, and use a time constraint as, as pressure to, you know, tweak out a new horse, a nice horse, a horse that's moving well, and having to push him beyond his, his means simply because you were running out of time. The only reason why I actually considered doing this was because the competition I was going into was the same for all of the competitors. It wasn't like I was taking a specific breed of horse into a competition and I was going to compete with horses that had been competing and or had experience at this, you know, from, you know, months or years before. You know, this was, this was a competition that took every single wild mutton that had never been touched and gave them exactly the same amount of time to do exactly the same thing. So uh, it was a pretty even playing field. They were all geldings. They were all basically the same color. They were all basically the same age. They were three- and four-year-olds. I ended, actually ended up getting a three-year-old who turned, according to their estimations or records, three the day or that month I picked him up, which was June 6th. So you're coming up on your one-year anniversary. Well, yeah. You know, June 6th is uh, turning out to be a real important day because we were invited to go to the, uh, the uh, Western States Expo in Sacramento, which actually starts on June 6th, from June 6th to the 8th. And I've been asked to do some prejudging there because they're going to have a um, uh, Mustang challenge. I've been asked to do a clinic and slash seminar as well as an exhibition. I've also been asked to be a commentator at, at this Mustang challenge as all the horses come in and compete, which is going to be a, a very big honor for me. I mean, John Lyons is going to be there. 
uh, so is um, Chris Cox, as well as the judges that, that judge the competitors at the Mustang uh, makeover in Texas. So um, this is a big treat and a big opportunity for me, and I'm really looking forward to it. Thank God for uh, Patty Colbert, who is the, the, the big honcho in charge of the Mustang Heritage Foundation, who's been pushing this and moving it along throughout the whole United States. And mm-hmm. uh, from what I understand, the, uh, the Cal Expo, this Western States Expo, is supposed to be the biggest event in North America that they put on. So this is a big deal. Yeah, definitely. And you're taking Hell Yeah with you, I assume? Yeah, I'm taking Hell Yeah with me. That's, that's you know, really, it's, this is not about me. It hasn't been about me from the very beginning. You know, the, the, the big star is Hell Yeah, the three-year-old wild Mustang that, that went from zero to 50,000 in 100 days. And people are, mm-hmm. are, are, are amazed by that. He's, you know, he's quite a novelty. I mean, I've been asked to, um, to do, uh, I've done the rodeos, the halftime rodeos. I just did the Piazza of the Spanish Horse. Uh, and he was by many people there, including the announcer, uh, the the best act in, at the show, which I thought was a big deal because I saw some beautiful acts. Uh-huh. And Robert Ridlin is interested in having him do his halftime shows at, at his Grand Prix. And he's he's the guy who's involved with uh, all the jumping and stuff over there at, uh, at at San Juan, at the Oaks. And there was talk, uh, even possibly after I you know I show him you know his performance. Uh, the possibility of him being able to do the World Cup, which happens to be in China this year, and next year will be in Vegas. So I'm, I'm amazed at the interest that this horse has been bringing on. And God, who else did we speak to? We spoke to um, the, the, one of the producers from uh, The Dog Whisperer, and, mm-hmm. uh, and she came down to watch him also at BGS to the Spanish Horse, and is, is quite interested in, in him and the training technique we're using on training you know, wild horses applied to the regular domestic horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I've been doing for years, you know, for 30 right. years now. Now, I saw a clip of Hell Yeah when they were trying to load him into, I guess it was your trailer, mm-hmm. using the chute, and he looked pretty nuts at that moment. What what was going through your mind right then as you were watching that? Well, you know, not only going through my mind, but actually out of my mouth was, can I get another one? Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, it, didn't, I mean, it, didn't, it didn't spend very much time in my head. And, uh, of course, the, all the guys there laughed and thought I was joking. For the record, I wasn't, you know. So uh, it, it was, yeah. He's 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 one of the horses in the in the uh, commercials uh, of the uh, the Extreme Mustang Makeover uh, episodes. There's six episodes that they have for sale, which I suggest everybody buy this. The six episodes. It's a good reality show, and it's it, it's quite a, a informative and entertaining deal. It all goes for you know for a good cause, the Mustangs for the the Mustang Heritage Foundation. And uh, if, but I understand they have them, I think, now at half price. I could be wrong, but what a great product for people to, to actually be able to see the before and after shots of 100 horses, or at least horses representing the 100 horses in Nevada. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Right, right. And we'll put a, a link to that um, on the show notes where people can order that, those that would, DVDs if they'd like. That would be great. You know, we also have on YouTube, we have a couple of news clips. I think Channel 2 and Channel 9 here in Southern California I think it's CBS, uh, mm-hmm. had, had done, they did a 30-second clip and a minute and 32-second clip that came down to my ranch. And uh, that was quite an honor, and it was, it was, gosh, what's the word, surreal for me to be able to see myself and hear, you know, uh, about my horse on TV with these, these people that I've seen on TV for years, you know. Greg Mills is the one who actually did the news clip, and he did a great job. But if you want to actually watch that, they can watch that on, uh, mm-hmm. on YouTube. And uh, just do a search for Haley either hell yeah or Ray Harris and, and a couple of you know a few uh, 
tapes will come up or clips will come up and you'll be able to recognize. I think it's a CBS 2 uh, or Haley uh, Extreme Wild Phenomenon 1 and 2. And okay. uh, it's, they're fun to watch. Okay, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, Ray, I'm going to ask you how to do this kind of stuff with your own horse. Like, what advice you would give people on winning their horse's trust so that their horse will do anything for them like Hell Yeah will do for you. So we'll be right back. Why the long face? I reckon horsing around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsor. Molly, here's your dinner. Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia, and we are here with Ray Aris, owner of Starbright Riding Academy in Marco, California. Ray, we're talking about Hale Yeah and all the amazing stuff you did with him. It took quite a bit of trust building on your part to get this horse that was afraid to have anybody come near him to do the kind of stuff we see him doing now. What kind of advice would you give to people who are working either with uh, Mustangs that they've adopted or just their own horses where there seems to be trust issues? Well, you know, the very first thing that I would like to do is I would like to invite all of the people that, are, that, that listen to your show to maybe consider coming down to our clinics that we have the second Saturday of every month. And the reason I do that is because, you know, they would be able to not only just, you know, get a little bit of advice on this or some suggestions, but they would be able to sit in for eight hours and actually be able to see it happening over and over again with a bunch of horses, and they would be able to ask all the questions necessary to get the actual good impression. And that's, you know, we're over here at Starbright at Horsetown, USA, Norco, California. We like to call it Horsetown, USA, and they can look it up on our website. But if I had to start with one thing, it would be that you, you really do need to have the right mindset before you approach any relationship. And the thing that you need to do is, first of all, you need to make sure that you allow the horse to feel that you're absolutely harmless. So you don't want to go in there, you know, with both, you know, both guns drawn and try to, you know, start looking for immediate respect. You know, what I would basically do is basically stand around and just allow the horse to absorb all the surroundings that actually include you. And then whenever you do things, do things according to feedback. So if you look like, like you're approaching your horse and it looks like your horse is starting to become a little bit nervous or upset, you have a couple of options. You can either stop where you are and allow the horse to become more comfortable with that, or you can continue to walk without changing anything and without trying to control anything. You know, put the control on the horse. Have the horse 
start making decisions about how he feels about you, but only after he's convinced that you're harmless. And the only way you're going to do that initially is by not doing anything that makes the horse feel pain. Now, the horse is going to feel fear because that's who they are, that's what they do, it's part of their survival mechanism, you know, to be afraid and run. But if you can actually do things that cause the horse to become desensitized with not only you but anything that you do, and that associate that, which usually is movement or sound or sensation, without necessarily making the sensation or the pressure that they feel painful, you would be, you'll be able to eventually get these horses to settle quite a bit. And if you make a point of watching the, the signs, like uh, the soft eye, the floppy ear, the, the posturing where they, they begin to now relax, and as well as the licking and chewing, which is the most important, between that and the sign, you'll be able to make quite an impression and definitely work towards the progress in the direction that you want to go. I can actually go, you know, step by step what to do. But this mm-hmm. is the philosophy and this is the approach that you want to take. Make sure that the horse perceives you as being harmless and then let him know that everything that you do, regardless of whether it makes him feel fearful, tense, and making him feel like he wants to run away or not, is not associated with pain and not associated with you. So, for example, when, you know, you take Haley out in a parade, now this was a horse that was, you know, terrified of everything when you first saw him, and to take him from, from that in a short time and have him be, you know, walking down the street in a parade with marching bands and stuff, there has to be a trust element there, I'm assuming. How do you get to that point? Well, let me tell you, that all happens at the very beginning. You know, you can go ahead and you can teach a horse or train a horse to do things just like your boss can teach you, uh, your coach can teach you. But when it comes down to it, if you meet your coach in a dark alley or if you meet your boss in a dark alley and you don't have trust, you're going to feel threatened. And if you feel threatened enough, you're going to run and or if you're cornered, you're going to fight. And this could be somebody who has actually contributed, taught you things, and maybe even, even compensated you in one way or another, put value in what you did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, if you can get a horse to trust you by doing things that allow him to absolutely relax and accept whatever, whatever you're doing, whether it's movement, a plastic bag, a tarp, waving things around, patting him down with a stick, and, and anything that you do that would be fearful for a horse. You have to understand that going into a parade has nothing to do with training. You can sometimes make horses do things that make them appear that they are extremely well-trained. But training has nothing to do with it. At 49 days, I had this horse following me into a water trough, and he actually walked into the water while he was following me, and the horse was loose in front of, you know, a hundred and some people. I I never trained him to do that. He just figured that if I was walking in the water, it was good enough for him. Why? Not because he was trained, not because he was forced, not because he was whipped into the situation or else, but because he thought it was okay, and if I did it, it must be all right for him. So what I'm saying is people do overtraining and don't work enough on the on the trust issue, on the relationship, on having the source see that his, making sure that his life is worth living, a life that is beneficial to him, a life that is, uh, how can I put this? You know, the horse has to first feel that his life is worth living, and then he has to feel after you're introduced into the mix that his life is even better with you than without him. Do you understand? Right. And, and once the horse gets to understand that, I'm telling you, the horse will appear to look more trained than he is simply because anything that happens around him while you're around makes him feel like it's okay, like nothing's going to happen. So 
I mean, I was able to shoot a gun in one day. In one day. It's mm-hmm. not like he didn't jump up and down and didn't see the smoke and the smell and, and, and the loud explosion. And it was loud. It's a forty-five. But after seeing that I was holding on to the gun and nothing happened and, and it was okay, he began to become more accepting of all this. Of course, now the horses in the background were all jumping around and running. And I didn't mm-hmm. have a, that kind of a relationship with him at that moment in mm-hmm. that situation. I must have gone through maybe, uh, maybe a dozen rounds before this horse the following weekend went and competed in the, the state championship mounted shooting competition and won his division. There was no practice in between. There was nothing more than an explanation. I exposed mm-hmm. him to it. I said, trust me, it's okay. He believed me and we were done. I can swing a saber. I can stand up on his back and start a chainsaw. I can put a tarp over his body. I can canter while pulling a tarp. It doesn't matter what it is. Mm-hmm. If I tell him it's okay, it's okay because he believes it. What he believes is real. He might be in danger, but he doesn't perceive it that way. We mm-hmm. need to spend more time getting these horses to lick and chew and settle and sigh before we start asking him to do other stuff. Before mm-hmm. we start actually exposing him to sensations and pressure that actually means something, we need to desensitize him from the sensation and the pressure until not only does it mean nothing, but he's already settled and relaxed with it. Then and only then can you actually start deciphering or uh, helping him decipher what some of these pressures and sensations mean. Sorry. How long did it take you to achieve this with Hell Yeah, like say in terms of days or hours, to, to get to the point where he felt that trusting of you? I got on his back in 13 days. A wild okay. Mustang, and I got on his back in 13 days. It took me two hours to touch him the first time so I could unhook the lead line that was hooked up to the halter that they had put on him when they threw him in the trailer, which was just getting in my way. Mm-hmm. So after that, within a day or two, I already had this horse uh, jumping over a barrel, accepting a tarp. I would whistle, and he'd run to me. I could put a rope on him. I can get him to lead. I can get him to back up. I can get him to flex. Within a couple of that, within a couple of sessions, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And I would think uh, that I, he, he had bad experiences with people um, prior to you because the only experiences he'd had were probably terrifying. That's right. You know, they actually put him in a squeeze, they turn him upside down, and they trim their feet, they castrate him, they give him shots, and they freeze brand him, and they put him back in the stall. That's like, mm-hmm. that's like a big hand coming out of the sky or maybe from somewhere else and grabbing a human being and taking him away and then having these things done and bringing them back. I mean, how terrifying would that be? I mean, yeah. talking about an abduction. Now, it's done in a very humane way, but psychologically. Uh, and I'm telling you, this is the best possible scenario, what they do nowadays. It's amazing how well they, the technology that they use now to be able to get these horses to where they, they need to be as far as, as far as their shots, as far as their feet, as far as their health, as far as their, their record keeping. It's amazing how they do it and in such a way uh, where the horses have minimal trauma and minimal shock, but still... It's got to be overwhelming for an animal that's never been touched before to go through something like that. And they used to actually rope them and drop them to the ground, you know? Right. And they do that with cattle all the time. And eventually, if you do it enough times, they get used to it. But for an animal that's only going to get that done once, I mean, I, I'm more than sure they don't want to have it done more than that. It's quite an impression that they get. I mean, if you're going to have a preconceived notion of a human, it would have been easier if, if the horse would have come to my place straight out of the wild. You right. know what I mean? But then again, there are a lot of horses that probably get a lot out of this. You know, while they're being in this situation, a lot of times, you know, they will, they will, they settle. They settle and relax, and they realize, gosh, it didn't hurt me. You know, I'm still alive. But mm-hmm. I'm more than sure. It's kind of like taking a fish out of water and holding onto them. Get to the point where they're already moved. They only put them back in water. They take off swimming, and they don't come back. Right. You know what I mean? The next time they see a hook, they're not going to go for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it is that kind of a situation. But, you know, you do what you, what you can do with what you have. 
it was quite a challenge for me, but it was also uh, quite an education as well. What would you say you've learned? You learned from him that you didn't know before you started working with him. I love that question. You know, I'm 50 years old, and and I've been doing this professionally for 30 years. You know, you get to a point you start thinking you know a little bit, little little something about horses. But when this situation came up between the wild horse, which I had never trained a wild horse before, I've trained mustangs, horses that have been either either dropped off at somebody else's house, horses that have been fed before, horses that have been handled before to a certain degree. Maybe some horses that actually have problems now. But I've never handled one that was this much of a clean slate. So the big realization for me was that, um, you know, before this I felt like I pretty much knew quite a bit about horses and knew, you know, how, you know what you should do, how you should work them, how long it should take, what approach you should take. None of that came into play when I was working with this horse. And a lot of it had to do with the time constraint. I'm telling you, this was just as difficult as courting my wife. Uh, and I'm telling you, when I when I courted my wife, I always I felt that, that that she was somebody that was out of my league, which makes it a little bit more of a of a delicate and difficult situation. So I mean, you do really have to mind your p's and q's. You have to be very careful what your approach is, and you really have to do things hoping for a second date. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you don't take anything for granted, and that's what this horse taught me: is that it's not about control. It's not about dictating and going sticking to a program or sticking to a you know an agenda. And it sure is not about respect. It's about appreciation. And once the horse appreciates the value that you contribute to the quality of its life, things move in a hurry mm-hmm. in the direction that they should go. That is mind-boggling to me. When you can take a three-year-old wild Mustang and in 100 days have him do a PF and a passage, that is a respectable performed movement. Uh, I mean, I've had people like, uh, like uh, Elizabeth McCall, the uh, promoter for Cavalia, who said, my Gosh, that's one of the nicest PFs I've ever seen. Well, she's seen a few. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's, that means a lot to me. And yeah. she's staring at this little three-year-old Mustang and being in awe. Or Robert Ridlin, you know, uh, uh, who has done dressage, who, who's done Grand Prix jumping, who does it now, who puts on some of the biggest shows in the country, who's in charge of the World Cup, you know, and, and is interested in this little Mustang so people can watch him and see him. You know, I mean, he was trained by the, the famous Jimmy Williams, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And uh, so, he, again, he's seen a thing or two. And for him to be attracted to or interested in, in this this particular situation is uh, uh, not only mind-boggling to me, but very flattering. Yeah. Well, it's incredible the work you've done with this horse. And unfortunately, we're out of time. But I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And I want to remind everybody that... Ray and Hale Yeah will be at the Western States Horse Expo in Sacramento June 6th through the 8th. And any of our listeners, if you're ever visiting Horsetown, USA, Norco, California, you should go to Starbright Riding Academy and watch Ray work. It's amazing what he can do. And um, thanks so much, Ray. Appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. And um, if anyone out there has any questions or comments about horsing around or any comments for Ray, please email me at Audrey at PetLifeRadio.com. Until then, happy trails. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio, horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time. Every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.